I invite you now to turn with me in the scriptures to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is the chapter which we've just seen uh, in the, the cartoon a little earlier, and so you'll recognize it. And Nick's been very good to me. He's given me no particular long words at all in this one. I've, I've done very well. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he laid down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time the Lord called. Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons uttered blasphemies against God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will, ever, will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning. And then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son? Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you speak to us through it. Speak to us through your servant now, we pray. 
as he explains this passage to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks, Rob. A couple of things before we start. One is about the five sleeps to the church meeting. Um, I, I think, um, did that come from Bill? Because I think that, you know, Bill is kind of, therefore, you know, my kind of man. We've got that gives me three good nights sleep and two really significant naps somewhere along the way, I think. <laughs> that really works out well, doesn't it? Um, and just about, we're praying for our front lines. I was meeting with um, a couple about a funeral and you would think, isn't that kind of perhaps the easiest place for a kind of a pastor to talk to a, uh, a couple about the Lord? And it's just not, because they, they it was just really clear that the Lord was not really included in this funeral. And then at the end, we were walking around. I thought, oh, maybe the church will have changed since they were blessed here. Let's come in here. Came in here and just showed them the church. And then the, their husband said, you know, strange, thing, strange things happened. <laughs> he said, I started reading the Bible. Um, and we were standing here, and I said, um, oh, look, there's a John's Gospel here. It's one of the... Wonderfully made John's Gospel. Um, why not have a go at that? You know, it's got some explanatory bits in it and there's some stuff you can link up to it online. Um, and the Lord just opened up an opportunity. So I, I just, you, you probably feel like I do a lot of the time. How am I going to, what am I going to say here? How am I going to do anything? And just but pray for opportunities. And I know Ian had an opportunity um, just by selling somebody something on eBay. You know, it's amazing what the Lord can use. So just pray, pray for the opportunities. As we go along. Um, before we come to this passage, a, a verse kind of uh, came, popped out to me this morning as I was looking, and uh, uh, which is Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. I was actually looking for that verse about uh, that God loves the person that trembles at his word. Came across this instead. Blessed is the one who always trembles. Um, before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. So as we come to, as we come to God's word this morning, you've got two choices, um, you, to tremble before God or, or to harden your heart. Um, that's always the way. We talked about that, didn't we, a week or two ago, that um, these are the two choices. Uh, whenever you come before God, that's why it's such a serious matter, I guess, that we gathered here this morning. You're either trembling, you either come trembling uh, at the voice of God or hardening your heart at the voice of God. So, but let's get into, let's get into um, 1 Samuel 3. And I want you to start, uh, start by asking you to picture a scene. Okay, it will have happened to you uh, before, and it will probably happen to you again at some point over the summer. Okay, where you're heading home uh, in the car, or maybe you're, you're heading on holiday, um, or maybe it's happened to you on, on route to a business meeting, uh, but you're just desperate to get there, or you're desperate to get home, and you hit a kind of massive queue of, of, of stationary traffic. And you just, you know, oh, just hits you, doesn't it? And you, you try swapping lanes, um, but isn't it the case that once you swap lanes, the other lane always goes faster? Okay. And then you see a little side road, and you think, I'll, I'll try and head off that way and hope the sat-nav will, will bring me back. And you try and get a little bit further around the, the blockage, but actually it brings you a few hundred metres further up the road, and then it takes you another ten minutes um, to get into the queue. I can remember once kind of heading down to Devon, leaving, leaving the dual carriageway um, with a trailer on the back of the... Um, with a trailer on the back, and meeting somebody head-to-head uh, -head down a single-track road. Um, yeah, and resorted to taking the trailer off. 
Um, but if you stay with the traffic, then there's moments when it, 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 it seems to speed up, but it's a little bit of a false dawn. And, you know, it all slows back down again. And so you sit there and you, you fume uh, and your mental temperature rises. And then you just kind of resign yourself. Okay, well, I'm just going to have to sit this out. Um, I'm just going to have to wait it out patiently. And then suddenly, when you've waited, um, traffic all clears and you're on your way again. It's a picture we'll come back to, and I'll explain it at the end. But let's get a grip of this passage, and let me outline this passage for you. Because we talked about, when you come to the Old Testament, we read the human story, we read the story of Israel, and we read the story of Jesus. There are always these three contexts trying to understand the story of these three levels. So at the human level, this is a story of a God who's determined to be heard. And so he is persistent, isn't he? He's gracious um, and tenderly teaching this young man. We don't know quite how young he is, um, but he's still got some growing up to do, we find out later on. Graciously, tenderly, kindly um, speaking um, to this boy so that he learns to hear his voice um, so that his will will be done. At the national level, it, it's again, it's a God who's determined to be heard, but things are a bit more sobering and a bit more serious. God is rejecting the failing priesthood of Eli because he won't restrain his sons. What they're doing is they're, they're, they're abusing the sacrifice and they're sleeping with the women around the temple. And God is going to tell Eli that his, that his priesthood is over. And he'll be replaced by Samuel the prophet, and a prophet who will speak to the kingdom so that God's will will be done and his word will be enacted. But at the, at the Jesus level, at the universal level, we can see that God is determined to be heard because although uh, Samuel is, a, is a, uh, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament, they all fail in the end. And all priesthood and prophethood and kinghood in the Old Testament um, fails so that a time comes when God, who is still determined to be heard, sends us a new prophet. He sends him, comes himself. He comes as the word, the word made flesh. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. And not only does God come himself as the word, he safeguards then the recording of the life and times of that word. And he explains that word Jesus in his written word, the Bible. And then he comes by his spirit to us who are believers and and he softens our hearts so that we hear this word. And even then, he sends his spirit so, uh, to move us, to impel us, to put that word into action. That's really what this story is about. We could sum it up like that. Here is a God who's determined to be heard so that his will will be done on earth. But there are practical things we can learn, I think, out of this text today. First thing is that the word of the Lord was rare. We read that in in verse 1. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Not many visions breaking through. God was not speaking to his people Israel. There were no revelations to, to his prophets. God had stopped speaking. Why? Because they turned away from him. They were worshipping other gods. We see that later on. They're worshipping the Baals and the Ashtoreths. 
And the failure of the people has silenced the, the word of the Lord. And the question is, is this, can this happen to us? Can our failure silence the word of the Lord? Well, you know the good news, don't you, of the New Testament. The gospel is that our relationship with God, our rightness with God, is not based on our obedience. It's based on Jesus' obedience. That's the good news. Uh, that's the gospel uh, of the New Testament. Jesus lived a perfect life and he died a sacrificial death. His death pays for every time that you misstepped, every time you rebelled against God, every time you ignored him, every time you didn't worship him with all your heart, yourself and all your mind. And Jesus' obedience is credited to you. So our, our rightness with God is um, unbreakable because it's based on Jesus' obedience, not ours. So is there a way then that the word of the Lord can be rare to us? Well, it's not rare um, in the speaking. That's clear, isn't it? It's not rare. It's there. It's there in front of you. You know, it's about six inches away from you this morning, the Lord speaking. So the, Lord is not, the word of the Lord is not rare in the speaking, but it can be rare in the hearing. The word of the Lord can be rare in, in the listening. And in fact, it's as rare as you make it. Okay? It's as rare as you decide to make it. If the Bible is unopened, the word of the Lord will be rare to you. I know we come back to this again and again, but it has to be said. If if the Bible is unopened, the word of the Lord will be rare to you. It's just basic, isn't it? The word of the Lord is rare where it's not faithfully preached. And there are some churches where the, the gospel is not preached. Now, Rob and I don't claim to be the bee's knees, but the gospel and, and the word is preached. And the word is opened week by week. So the word of the Lord is, is rare to you if, you, if you if you A, decide not to turn up, and B, if you decide to turn up but not really pay any attention. Then the word of the Lord is rare to you. I'm sorry, but it's your responsibility, isn't it? The word of the Lord is rare if you don't want to do anything about it. If you hear the word of the Lord, but as we read in that Proverbs verse, don't do anything about it, your heart gets harder. Um, The voice of the Spirit gets quieter, you grieve him, and you don't hear, and the word of the Lord becomes rare to you. What a dreadful thing. Uh, The word of the Lord is rare if we don't incorporate um, it, 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 as, as a central part of every bit of our planning. One of the things I want to say at the church meeting is I think we're structured really well as a church now. So that, that, uh, it's not that we need any extra activities, but what we do need now is to be growing in all the things that we do. And the word of the Lord has to be present and central to everything that we plan. So easy for our blessed, best laid plans not really to have the, the gospel at their heart, whether that's whether you're doing youth work, whether you're doing Sunday club, whether you're doing home groups. If, if the gospel isn't central, then the word of the Lord is rare. So this is not about whether the Lord turns up on a, on a Sunday morning and, and appears as an angel to you or calls in an audible voice. Uh, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about whether the word of the Lord is, is rare in your life or not. 
And it's simple and it's basic and I know we bang on about it. But it's the voice of God. What do you not want about that? What is it you don't want? You only don't want that if really um, you're wanting to be king of your own life still. The only reason for not wanting the word of God is because you want to go your own way. You either just simply want to be in charge for the sake of being in charge um, or the sin that you want to do and you don't really want to be told otherwise. And so I have a confession. It, it took me years and years, decades even, to get to that point. As a young Christian, there were other things I tried. I've read a lot of good Christian books, good Christian paperbacks. They give you a little buzz um, for a while, and then it doesn't last very long. You think about that traffic starting and stopping. Okay, well, you try some other little way. I had some interesting experiences of the Lord by going, going to meetings and having, having experiences. They last for a little while. But they're nothing. I would trade those all in. For what I have now, which is the Lord speaking to me day by day, week by week through his scriptures. It is, a, it is the most precious thing. It is the pearl of great price that you sell everything else for. Why would you not want it? So the word of the Lord is as rare as you make it. But the really good news is that the, the, the Lord is more determined to be heard quite often than, than we are to hear. And that's a measure of his grace and, and his mercy. And in our story, Samuel hears a voice, but he assumes it, it's Eli. And so the tabernacle at this point has settled uh, at Shiloh. And I guess probably some structures have, have, have been thrown up around it. So Eli is obviously not... Sleeping in the, in the tabernacle. I'm not sure that Samuel was either, um, uh, even though he, he was in, in the cartoon. But clearly they're not in the same room. Um, Eli is, is an old man. He's nearly blind. Um, and so what Samuel is expecting is that Eli's got a problem. Whether it's a temple problem or whether he just needs a bit of help in the middle of the night. So he hears a voice. And he assumes it's Eli. The, the, it's the early hours of the morning because the, the oil in the lamp would run out in, in the night, but it hasn't done yet. And the Lord speaks and Samuel hears an audible voice uh, and assumes it's Eli. And he runs to him and says, you called me. We saw that. But the words, there's an implication in his words that he's ready to serve. He comes to Eli and says, you called me. What, what do you need me for? I think it's slightly ironic that Eli doesn't recognize that the that the Lord is speaking. But then we know already that Eli is not the, the greatest of priests. But maybe he's never heard the Lord speak. Have you ever, have you ever heard the Lord speak? Have you, have, you, have you never heard the Lord speak to you? Well, I want to notice a couple of things uh, from the passage. Samuel didn't yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had, had not yet been revealed to him. Samuel hasn't heard before because he's not, he wasn't a believer before. He, he wasn't a Christian. So there is a first time. There is a, a first time when the Lord speaks to you um, and, and you know he's spoken to you. Um, and that's part of the process of, of becoming a believer. 
I, I can still remember. You may not remember, but um, it, it will either, you will either have grown up through church and you will have learnt to hear the voice of God, or somewhere along the way the Lord will have spoken to you. I remember somebody going through the gospel with me one night. I can still picture it. I can, Graham Kendrick and um, uh, concept afterwards. And I remember him saying, essentially, your sins have separated you from God. And I knew in that moment that was the Lord speaking to me for the first time. Well, this is the Lord speaking to Samuel for the first time. And, and he becomes a, a believer. And the Lord's really... But there is, this, there is this process in, this, in these early stages or, or when you become a believer or, or when you're moving from becoming a, a non-Christian to a Christian that you have to learn to hear the voice of God. And I think it's lovely here because the, the Lord is, is, is gentle, isn't he, with Samuel. He gives him these three or actually four attempts, doesn't he? Um, before he hears his word, before he learns to hear the, the voice of God over and above the voice of Eli, who's his kind of his um, surrogate parent, isn't he? So there has to come a, this, this point in your life where you, you learn to hear the voice of God. And actually, it comes, again, it comes through reading the scriptures. So there's, there's no problem with God speaking. God has spoken. Um, God has given you the New Testament. Might seem incredibly boring. What a chore. Re- read through the New Testament. But actually, when you open it, God has given you or will give you um, for the praying, for the asking. If you're ready to repent, when you're ready to become a believer, God gives you his Holy Spirit. And what the Spirit does is he brings the conviction that goes with the Word. So when you read the Word, the Holy Spirit comes and works on it and uses it to bring you the conviction that you're loved or maybe the conviction that you've sinned or or whatever it is that God is saying. So you become a Christian through the Word you learn to hear the voice of God. Oh, and actually, I, I promise you that if you open the, the scriptures um, prayerfully and sincerely and consistently, that you will hear, you will learn to hear the voice of God. If, if you're listening, you will discover that the Lord impresses upon you different bits of scripture at different points in time. And that's lovely and great, isn't it? Because... <laughs> What a, you know, it would be, if the Lord kind of gave you this kind of, you became a Christian, you said, Lord, I'm ready to serve you, and the Lord goes, whack, here's an information dump, okay, um, now go do it all, whoa. But he doesn't. He gives you a bit, and he lays on your heart what he wants you to do. And as you consistently come to scripture, he gives you the next bit that he wants you to grow in, and, and you grow in that. There's no way... There's no way you could receive this, is there? As a kind of information dump when you, when you become a Christian. And he doesn't just leave you with it and say, there you go, get on with it. As you consistently come to it, he speaks by his spirit and his spirit is there then. And you are asked to keep in step with the spirit. And he will speak to you and you will learn to hear his voice and say, oh gosh, when I did my reading this morning, um, the Lord really spoke to me about this. And then you put it into practice. You pray and you say, Lord, I'm going I'm to do what this takes. And it's not simple. 
It's not easy to put these things into practice. So um, if you're like me, you, you'll say to the Lord, um, can, uh, yeah, I kind of get that, but I kind of don't. Can you say it again? Lord, I kind of get that, I kind of don't. Can you give me wisdom how I might put that into practice? So you learn to hear the voice of God and the, and the, and the Lord leads you. The Spirit leads you. The keep, this thing about keeping in step with the Spirit, it implies that the Spirit is leading you. And you just need to follow it in, in a dance almost. But Samuel's ready to obey. So I think these three things are key to Samuel's hearing, isn't it? The, the word comes and he becomes a believer. Uh, he, he learns to hear the, the Lord's voice and he hears as he is ready to obey. He says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So that as you come with those three things, you will hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you through scripture. Um, because actually there's no sense to say, I want to hear the Lord's voice, I don't really want to do anything about it. When that happens, when you become a believer, um, the Lord speaks to you through it. Um, you're ready to serve, the Lord gives you responsibility. So the word of the Lord is a double-edged sword, two-edged sword. In two regards... Uh, firstly, it gives you a responsibility. Once you become a hearer, then, then you're responsible to become a, a speaker, a, a minister. Uh, you become a communicator for the Lord. I talked a, a week or two ago about how we all need each other. Uh, otherwise, we all have blind spots. If we all come together uh, and, um, and all go away again and nobody comments to each other, then we'll all go out with the same blind spots we came in with. And we need each other to be speaking to one another. If you're really brave, we said this before, go to somebody and say, Where do you, what, what do you see in my Christian life? And what you'll get will be a different view from your, kind of, you know, your own version, which, which, if you're like me, is probably a little bit too kind in some areas and perhaps a little bit too condemning in other areas. But it is your responsibility now to see that your brothers and sisters in Christ don't get hardened, don't fall into sin. And it's double-edged in another way, in that the word of the Lord it has two sides, doesn't it? It, it brings comfort, it, it brings, uh, brings a warning. So there's a danger, as we said at the start, if you, if you don't hear and do, you, you become hard um, to the Lord's voice. And then if the Lord wants to make himself heard, he has to do something to break through the break through the hearing or the break through the lack of hearing. I guess they're playing a song. Okay. Um, the Lord has to do something. If you're not hearing, the Lord has to do something. And, and what he tends to do is to bring you pain. C.S. Lewis says, uh, pain is the Lord's megaphone. It's the way of the Lord shouting when you're not listening. So really good. Is that not a motivation for hearing the Lord? <laughs> To avoid the Lord having to bring you pain or to have to, uh, have to humble you before his word. I, I think that's a, one of the motivations, certainly is for me. But there is this tension. It, uh, there is a tension in the task uh, of being somebody with word responsibility. 
Um, This is Dale Ralph Davis. I showed you his commentary a couple of weeks ago. The true prophet must speak Yahweh's word. Yahweh is the, the name of the Lord. Else, why is he entrusted with it? Yet the true prophet recoils from speaking judgment. So Samuel shows that, that he's equipped um, to be a speaker for the Lord. He has these two sides. Uh, he, he knows what God has given him is, is true and has to be spoken. And yet it's, it's an awful thing to say. And in his heart, he, he kind of recoils from it. That, that's the nature of being somebody who speaks, speaks for the Lord. And actually, that's the nature of actually witnessing for the Lord. And so uh, uh, Davis goes on and he says, uh, he, a prophet, or anybody who speaks for the Lord, speaks judgment because truth is at stake, but he cringes to speak it because compassion moves him. And actually that's what you want out of your ministers, that's what you want out of your preachers, isn't it? Um, that's the attitude you would come in bringing the word of, the, of witnessing to somebody. You think this is going to be offensive to somebody? Yeah, it, it's going to be, but truth is at stake, life and death um, are at stake uh, these things have to be spoken, and, and yet we, we come with, with compassion and with understanding. There's two sides of um, speaking for the Lord. Poor old Samuel has to go and tell Eli what has been said. And actually, Eli, Eli helps him out, doesn't he? Um, he puts him on oath, as it were. He says, may God deal with you, be it ever so severely if you hide from me anything he told you. Eli helps the young Samuel out. He puts him on oath. Says, look, uh, just uh, on oath, tell me uh, what's been said. And then in this last few verses, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba Recognize that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord, and the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So the Lord continues to be with, with Samuel through his life. He started his Christian um, journey and ministry at a, at a young age. So youth is not a barrier to you being um, a, a mouthpiece for the Lord. And actually, the earlier you get started, uh, the bigger potentially your ministry can be. But interestingly, what do we take away from this thing? He let, none of the, he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. In other words, the Lord reveals himself to Samuel. Samuel goes and says what the Lord uh, said. How embarrassing if in the meantime the Lord changes his mind. So, oh, I'm sorry, it didn't. Not going to do that. How embarrassing for Samuel. That actually would have destroyed his ministry. When the Lord speaks, he does what he says he will do. And so it is here, the Lord has spoken in the scriptures, uh, and what he has said he will do. You can trust the scriptures as the word of God, because God is consistent, always consistent with his word. And the Lord continues to uh, appear at Shiloh, and interestingly, listen to this. He continued to appear and revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Through his word. That's how the Lord appears to you. That's how the Lord will reveal himself to you. Through his word. It's the same for us. The Lord will appear to you, not necessarily 
to your eyes. Though on, to some people he does. It's interesting you hear people from a Muslim background in cultures where the gospel is, is not regularly heard. You hear of people seeing Jesus. But in the main, he will appear to you through his word. So let me ask the question. Has your Christian life hit a roadblock? Is it like being in a, in a traffic jam? Has it kind of come to a standstill? Has it plateaued? Is there anything new going on? Or has growth simply stalled? Your relationship is, is not getting any deeper and, it, and you're not going forward. And maybe you think, oh, there are little moments where it goes forward, where little moments it goes forwards, only even then it just kind of slows down again. And there are little side roads I can take, and for a moment it kind of, um, it looks like I've taken a shortcut um, to Christian growth, only you realise that you haven't. And, and you fall again into old patterns, and you come back to where you started. Sometimes our Christian lives hit, hit the roadblock, they, they stall simply because we refuse to resign ourselves to getting into the Bible. Do you get me? Christian life is stalled because we, we want some other solution, because we refused. I want to say to resign ourselves because it, because it seems mundane, just to read the scriptures day by day. Let me tell you, it's not mundane. Or maybe it seems to be a chore. Um, and you think, I'm not resigning myself to that. It took me decades <laughs> to resign myself to, to reading the scriptures. Don't please take that long, especially you younger guys. If that's you, then the word of the law is rare in your life. And you have to get beyond that point. You have to get beyond that point. When the word of the Lord is not rare, then, then things change. So you might be saying, I, I still don't know whether I'm really a, b a believer or not. Well, come to the scriptures anyway. And, and I, it's not for me to guarantee it, is it? It's for the Lord to guarantee it. But you will hear the Lord speak to you, maybe for the first time. But maybe not the first time you open the Bible. The Lord says repeatedly in the, in the Old Testament, you will seek me uh, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So I think sometimes the Lord says, when you're finally really bothered, then I will be there. But I think if you open the scriptures, the Lord will meet you. Uh, and that, if that's for the first time, Fantastic. 
And once you've started, you need to carry on. And you will hear the Lord speaking to you, because that is what he wants to do. And he has given you his spirit when you become a Christian, um, so that he can lay conviction on your heart, so that when the word comes to you, it comes with the power of the spirit, it comes with conviction. When the word of the Lord is not rare, you gain a ministry. And you gain responsibility. If you're a Christian, you have gained that responsibility. But actually, one of the ways you, you progress in, in ministry is simply by having a living relationship with God, which is bearing fruit, uh, which you can bring and, and, and share with other people. If the Lord's not spoken to you, how in an, in an everyday conversation with somebody else are you going to pass anything on? But when the Lord speaks to you, you, ha- you have good stuff. You have, a, you have ministry. And maybe, like Samuel, he was known from Dan to Beersheba, maybe a national reputation. Can't guarantee you that. Who knows? That's not for us to decide, is it? That's for the Lord.